0: Susie, at the very end, you share the secret to loving your life. So go ahead and share it with everyone right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like, here it is. All right. Ta-da. Like, it's going to be so easy, right? Right, exactly. Uh,
0: Welcome to the book club for people who don't have time to read or be in a book club. It's the 30 Second Book Club. I'm Andy and hanging out with Susie Davis this week talking about her book. It's a devotional too, kind of Dear Daughters, Love Letters to the Next Generation. Now, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform thing and then also uh, comment and rate it, too. So we know what you think. Thanks. I related a lot to the things in your book. As a guy, well, and I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm no, talking. that's good. That's good. It's 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 all it's all uh, genderless content. Let's put it that way.
0: Right, right. It's just good advice. And just uh, let's start with let's start with this then, Susie. What inspired you to write this uh, these love letters to the next generation, as you call them?
1: Right. Well, I started basically when my kids were in high school. I just noticed they'd bring their friends over, and I'd be making sandwiches and. There were other um, young people Who were wanting like, to talk with me About their lives And, and get a little advice And uh, their friends started calling me Mama Sue And so I just started thinking of myself As kind of a second mother Or a spiritual mother And then when my girls went off to college I started writing Just little open online You know, short letters On Instagram and Facebook And um, just a huge response So I started a podcast called Dear Daughters And then Uh, I just found that there were so many women that wanted someone just a little bit older, who was maybe their mom's age or maybe like an older sister, who wanted a little wisdom. And so that's how the book was born.
0: Susie, in the beginning, uh, you talk about worry, and you talk about the one thing to do every day to combat fear. What is that?
1: Well, for me, it's just to surrender to God. And to to just say, you know what, God, I trust you with my life. And you know what, that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're in the middle of a circumstance or situation where, that you don't like. But uh, I I learned the hard way that when you try to control everything because you don't like what's going on, you just end up to be a total fear freak. and <laughs> And very unjoyful. So um, for me, it's just its just saying, God, I love you and I trust you.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's so hard. You know, our first human instinct is when things start falling out of control is to grip tighter. But we have to do right. the opposite, which is let go.
1: When you're bound up in anxiety, day, you miss the daily wonder. And there is a lot of daily wonder, even in difficult situations. There's some beauty buried deep, and that's where... God is trying to like leave you a love note. And so for me, I found that it's the best way to, to live a joyful life and to love your life is to continue to let go and give God, um, give God, trust God with your life.
0: Speaking of talking about trusting God with your life, it's sometimes really hard because you say, God, I, I want to trust you with my life, but I'm trying to figure out my purpose. And you talk about this in chapter 2. And actually, I think it's kind of interesting because I've, I've had this struggle a lot, and I think a lot of people do, where uh, we have a hard time separating what our identity and our vocation is. And so many, especially for guys, it's a big problem for guys. You know, we <laughs> our identity comes from what do we do? You know, when we talk to people, when we meet people, the first question, well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And, and, and how do we separate that, and what does that look like?
1: Well, I love that you brought up that. It's something that people always ask because people don't walk around saying, you know, who are you? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is where your identity is. Who you are is, you know, you were created by God. He created you with a, a beautiful purpose and a plan based on your personality and your likes and dislikes and all those things. But people do always say, what do you do? And so we have a real emphasis on basing our our value on what we do, what our job is, or what we got done today, <laughs> and um you know it's it's just good to know that your identity and your values based in inside of who God made you and in what you do through your vocation that that's a beautiful thing that got made. It's not that we don't identify with that, but we can't base our whole value on on our job because most of us our job changes I've had honestly, over a dozen jobs in the last two decades. And none of them produced a massive income. I'm not a multimillionaire. And so I could feel really invaluable, you know, or unvaluable based on my jobs. But when I am able to know that God made me for a purpose and and I'm, I'm settled deep inside of that, then my jobs become almost like a playful thing. I get to to do, To journey through life with God and and do these different things.
0: In Minnesota right now, you know we get about three nice months out of the year. <laughs> and so this I'm weekend, sorry. I know. Listen, it's it's a it's you have to be a special kind of person to live up here. But <laughs> but, but so we're actually finally outside, and it's 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 kind of a bummer because you know we have ten thousand plus lakes, and so. Uh, I really connected with um, the chapter where you're talking about loving your body because for me, I've, and this isn't, I don't, I think more guys uh, would not be willing to admit this, but I think more guys struggle with this than you'd think. Even going to the lake and, you know, just taking the shirt off and going in, into, the, into the lake, I know a lot of women have a problem with this loving your body as well. You talk about this in kind of an interesting way, talking about w- what the Bible doesn't say about your body, which I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear.
1: Right, right. The Bible doesn't talk about how to have a bikini pot body or a six-pack or anything like that, right? <laughs> right, I mean, right. It, But But we do. We talk about it all the time, and we value people based on how beautiful their bodies are. And, oh, my gosh, it is amazing when you see someone with a really beautiful body. But the truth is, we all have amazing bodies, I mean, they're breathing. I'm sitting here and breathing. I'm not thinking about it. My heart's beating. I'm able to move my hands. I just go back from the barn riding horses and, um, women do struggle with it. I love that you said that men struggle with it too. Of course they do. I think everybody does. But, um, what happened to me when I had my like aha moment with God is when my youngest daughter was about three years old and she was just about to get in the bathtub. I had taking off her little play suit, and she was just standing there naked in front of a bubble bath. And I looked at her, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she is so beautiful. Look at that tiny, perfect body. And I literally heard a God whisper, and I heard him say, she looks just like you. Mm. And it, like for just a split second, I was like, oh, my gosh, I did look like that when I was a tiny human. And why don't I love my body the way I love and value my daughter's? and it was just it was kind of a big moment for me and what i did after that is i found a picture of myself at the same age actually in a bubble bath and i had my little daughter sarah's picture next to it and they just almost looked totally identical but it it helped me seeing those pictures it helped it gave me a visual of of what um i should be thinking on the inside like just this whole idea of loving my body and loving what God gave me and thanking Him for the gift that um, that I have. And so I've told dear daughters, the women I'm I'm like, you know what, get a picture of you when you're a baby, because who doesn't love their baby picture? Like, that's a whole nother subject. But get a picture of yourself when you're a baby. Pull it out, put it on the fridge, put it in a frame, and remember that you're that same person, and you should love and value your body the way... That you would someone that you think is amazing, um, and hopefully that someone is you when you were tiny. Um, but do that, and just as a practical practice, just start thinking of of how much um, how much God loves you and how He crafted and created you with this amazing body, and and just start thinking of it like that.
0: Hmm. Susie, I, I I'm I don't know if you've heard this song from Chris Tomlin. Uh, it's a worship song, so maybe you sang it in church too. Good, good Father. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I was really I was thinking about that as you were talking about the chapter about um, about, you know, how we our relationship with our father, because, you know, one of the things that when we play it here at KTIS, some people will call in and say, I have a hard time relating to that song because I didn't have a good father. And, you know, and, and talk about what you say, you know, in the book about how your relationship with God really kind of reflects that earthly father relationship, too.
1: think that's so paramount to having a close relationship with god is is realizing and recognizing that you do see god the father through the lens of your earthly father and so if you had a really great father who told you he loved you and he's proud of you like i did mine then i think it's easy to consider or imagine my heavenly father feeling and thinking those same things but if you have a dad and many young women do many people do who um, abandoned the family, for chose another family, or just walked away, or or worse. It's really hard to imagine that God could be anything other than kind of what your dad was. Even if you read about it in the Bible and you see that God is a good father, or you sing about it, it's hard to get to that place where you actually believe it deep in your bones, and it impacts the way you feel about yourself. Um, So a lot of girls, we talk through these things together because the truth is that um, your Heavenly Father is good and pure, and he has great motives for you, and he loves you unconditionally. Um, And maybe your dad didn't or doesn't. Um, And even if you had a good father, like my dad's a great dad. He's still living. He tells me he loves me all the time. But when I was little, he would get irritated over things. And so I suppose that God got irritated over things, too. Um, and so, you know, you just have to push back against that and read the Bible and see what it says and um, start believing that God is a good Father who loves you and and operating and living your life out of that kind of goodness.
0: It's so tough sometimes, uh, Susie, when we're going through life, and I was thinking about... Um, when you talk in Chapter 6 about feeling small, yesterday, as I was doing dishes and folding laundry and everything, that you talk about how to find God in the mundane. As we we might call it that, but I think you wouldn't even necessarily want to call it that, because yeah, the, those small things we do, you talk about, you know, there's an eternal importance with that.
1: Right. It, the, the important part is that while you're doing the laundry, while you're folding the, um, folding those towels or putting dirty dishes away or taking the trash to the curb, inside of that, you can be with God. You can worship God. And that might sound like, oh my gosh, maybe someone's rolling their eyes and like, really? And I'm like, yeah, really? Like, you can be with God while you're doing those things and you can um, recognize that in those tiny little places, those are actually ordained by God and we can be with Him, we can worship Him, and we can um, experience our relationship with him while we're doing those things. Everybody does those things, no matter how great their Instagram highlight reel looks. <laughs> Everybody drives to 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 work in traffic. Everybody has to take the trash to the curb. Um, and so it's, we don't want to waste those little moments when we could be actually experiencing joy inside of them by just being with God and and recognizing that those are just as sacred as those big, you know, worship sounding kind of moments that we hear about at church or in someone's life.
0: Well, and you talk about, in this kind of, uh, this kind of ties into what you talk about in the next chapter, talking about transitions and you, and you talk about, are you pushing relentlessly and projecting what you think you should be? Or do you have, you know, expectations or are you um, living with your one beautiful life with your whole heart? So what, what is, how do we do that?
1: Right. It, that one, you know, I think that the the point of that is that wholehearted living comes when we acknowledge that we have incongruencies going on between our feelings and our thoughts or our head and our heart, between what we're willing ourselves to do, like just go do the thing because everybody wants us to do the thing or we should do the thing, and then there are these quiet little nudges in our soul telling us otherwise. So wholehearted, you know, it says in the Bible this whole idea of wholehearted living that God... God um, wants us to live wholeheartedly, and that means we don't have any shadows. We 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 are okay. It really comes back to kind of feeling okay with who we are and that idea of our identity is in God and our purposes inside of him so we can, we can trust that he's doing work in us and we can trust um, to move forward and just basically um, allow him to show us what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, the truth is that God loves you, and you matter to him, and, and that when you're inside of, of that, just living inside of that, you can, you can live kind of a wholehearted way.
0: So you talk a little bit more about transitions, and this is something actually I went through recently here at my job about uh, four months ago. I was brought into a room and I was told that they were changing me from doing mornings to afternoons. Mm. And, and which was a giant transition and I yeah. didn't know why. Yeah. And I was just like, "All right, God. I mean, I was more at peace than I was surprised. I was surprised myself. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, I can't do anything about it, so I'm just going to make the most of it." And I'll tell you now 4 weeks, months later, um it's I'm so happy where I am, but there was a lot of time in between where I thought, what is going on? But So that's why I think the uh, you talking about transitions was so powerful and the truth about transitions. And I know there's some people right now that are thinking, I don't know what ride you're putting me on, God, but I want to get off. So yeah. <laughs> how do we come to peace with that?
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I love that you brought that up. And I actually talked to a dear daughter just about 20 minutes ago, and she's in the middle of, waiting for God to come through and leaving one city and moving to another and not knowing where she was going to live and how that was going to be impacted. But And you being so vulnerable, talking about how your, your shift from morning to afternoon, the morning to afternoon show, that's like a big deal. Um, and you know what? Let's acknowledge that's a big deal. Like that's a transition. That's worth thinking about, talking about. But um, one of the things with transitions, that I've noted, and first of all, everybody goes through them, so no one can escape them, is that when you're in a transition season, something has to die in order for something else to come to life. And maybe even for you, there was some grief in letting go of the morning show. There's grief in this dear daughter who's moving from one city to another. Um, But when we're in those transition pieces, it's important to acknowledge, acknowledge the grief. Like say, this is sad. I feel sad. You can feel sad and expectant at the same time. And that's, I think, a kind of way to live wholehearted, too, is just to really, you know, say, you know what, this is sad. For example, when our kids got married, we prayed this. We prayed for 20-something years for our kids to find their special people. And the wedding was joyous. But as a mother, letting go was hard and sad and saying goodbye to that role in their life. um, So it's those transition seasons require that we let go and let something die and we feel the grief over it in order for us to step into a kind of wholeness and be a, like a, a normal healthy human and not feel bitter or angry into the next thing hmm.
0: uh, one final question with uh, Susie davis and dear daughters and if you want to just dig deeper into all this she's got a great book for you we're gonna have a link on her website myktis.com but i thought this would be a great way to end Susie, at the very end as you're talking about your one beautiful life in chapter ten, you share the secret to loving your life. So, go ahead and share it with everyone right now. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: it's like here it is, All right. ta-da! <laughs> like it's gonna be so easy, right? Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I've found, you know, I I've, I talk about my mother in that final chapter, and um, we call her Saint Margaret because she's a lovely human, the kindest, gentlest woman I've ever known, and. She is the example of of contentment, and that's what I think the secret to loving your life is, is to being content because we don't know what our situations are going to look like. We don't know what kind of curveballs we're going to be thrown, but when we can capture contentment, then we can be grateful and look up and say, thank you, God, for this one beautiful life you've given me. So the secret is contentment, It's not easy, but it's attainable, and that's how you can love the life that God has given you.
0: So, one more one more follow up on that one, Susie. What's what's one thing you do every single day to to get closer to contentment?
1: Well, I have a prayer, and it's it's not a a deep, um, crazy theological prayer, but it's one that really covers all the bases, and I just say. This is this is what I do and this is what I cur- encourage you to do too. If you want to love your life, I say, I love you God. I trust you and thank you for my one beautiful life. Amen.
0: Mm. Amen. Amen and amen. I think that's good. Susie Davis, <laughs> author of Dear Daughter's Love Letters to the Next Generation and I mean, we got nothing left. We went through the entire book there. So, <laughs> but there's plenty more to just dive into, go deeper in everything we talked about. Again, the link's going to be at myktis.com. Uh, thanks so much, Susie. That's, this was great.
1: Andy, thank you so much for your time and in, in sharing about the book online.